millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hi, everyone. Today, our guest would like to remain anonymous, but she is a 27-year-old from New South Wales and grew up in public housing. She has worked really hard on her money mindset ever since. It's a truly inspiring story and development. She got her first job at Macca's at 14 and since then has worked consistently to establish financial security for herself. In this episode, we talk about how she's grown from a reactive to a proactive approach to money, how her upbringing has impacted this and why it's so important to lay those key financial foundations. My name is Sarah Kelsey and you're listening to My Millennial Money. Today's guest would like to remain anonymous, but something she has put in her introduction when we were organizing the recording of this episode is that she is both single and loving it, which I am single, don't know if I'm loving it, but I'm keen to hear her view on her life stage at the moment and how things are going, especially in how this relates to her financial life as well. So tell me, what are you loving about the single life and how has it been going for you financially? So for me, why I'm loving it is I can do what I want when I want and don't need to organize my plans around another person, which is great. I totally get what you were saying. You don't have to factor anyone else into your decisions and you have mm-hmm. so much freedom in the way that you operate because you only need to consult yourself for everything. And it's kind of nice to have that period in life when you can be a little bit more selfish in air quotes and yeah, focus on yourself. But I also find... And I don't know if this is a concept that many people talk about. I think I have seen it online. There's like this single tax, right? Where because you're not in a couple, things typically can feel more expensive as well because you're paying for everything on your own. Have you found that? Yeah, I totally get that. Like, for example, meal plans. Like, I'm not a big fan of cookies. So I figured I'll get a meal plan and like, it'll be fine. The minimum order is for two people, which, Mm. you know... In itself isn't too bad because I didn't want to be getting like meals for the entire week and figured if I get like, because it's ready for two, like that's lunch and dinner. Um, like I'll get a few and then maybe cook, maybe go out. Like I'm not set in stone with having to be home and cook um, the meals, but they're just so much more expensive when you're like by yourself because you're paying for everything. And also like I live alone, so I don't have anyone to share bills and stuff with. Which, I mean, living alone, don't get me wrong, is amazing. But having an extra person to like halve bills would be great sometimes. Oh, you're speaking on behalf of single people globally. Like where are the single services at and (laughs) where are they the people to half our bills with? But then coming back to what you were saying at the start, there's pros and cons, right? Like you get the freedom and the autonomy for, I guess, the cost of maybe having – to have that independence and to pay for everything by yourself. Yeah, and even stuff just like, even like without meal pl- plans, say grocery shopping, is it just me or is everything just, they're very large portions half the time. Like mm. even just say buying like a whole lettuce, you're committing yourself to having lettuce in every single meal for like a week preach. before it goes bad. Honestly, preach. This is like, I actually just started doing meals with my flatmate, which I've never done that before 
like sharing meals with someone you're living with who you're not in a relationship with. And honestly, it has just changed the way I operate in the way that everything is so much more accessible. Like having better meals is easier because like you said, when you're buying a lettuce, at least you're halving that lettuce for someone else so that you're not committing to having that lettuce for so long. And you can have a lot more variety in the things that you eat because you can mm-hmm. buy those bigger portions. So yeah, I can completely understand how there's this big difference between the lifestyle you kind of have in and out of a relationship. Yeah, like so it was, I think one of Glenn's episodes last year, I think it might've been about like being single and like tips to save and stuff. And it was like, why don't you meal prep with the friend? Which I did try. And like, it works well when we can get our schedules to align. Um, right. Cause we can buy stuff for specific ingredients and actually use them all, um, do meals. And then we have food for the week, but like trying to get schedules to align to allow enough time to do that isn't always the easiest. Yeah, that's so true. And do you know what? It's funny because it's almost ironic that you end up having to compromise with someone, which is kind of one of the benefits of not being in the relationship is that you don't have to compromise with someone. Yep. <laughs> Love it. You've helped me so much um, just to, you know, talk about and process my single life. But you mentioned you were listening to a podcast from Glenn about being single and you have been a long-time listener of My Millennial Money. When did you start listening and what was the first kind of episode you remember that helped you get on track with your finances? Um, I think it was during COVID some point. Um, I remember just randomly scrolling, coming across a list from a website of financial podcasts um, to listen to. And I guess it's something that's always been on the back of my mind. Well, back then I always wanted to learn how to invest in shares, for example. Um, so I figured, you know, we're in, I think we're in lockdown at the time. Like what's the harm? And yeah, started from there. Um, so I'm the type of person when I start podcasts and stuff, I start from the very beginning. Um, so I just kind of binged oh, my no. way through. Um, I don't think there was a particular episode from memory, but I think it was just like little things like review your budget um, just to see how much you're spending on things. And for me at the time, I think I was tracking everything, but I didn't have like a proper budget. I didn't think I needed one because it didn't seem like I was ever out of money. Like there was always money in my accounts. Um, I just probably had no clue as to where it was actually going. Because I mean, I tracked everything, but that's all I did was like, I never actually looked at like a month or a year review of anything as long as I was always earning more than I was spending. Like in my head, life was good. So yeah. Yeah, that's such an interesting point because, you know, you didn't think you needed a budget because you always had money in your account. So what was the catalyst to reviewing your financial situation? Because you could have just continued on being like, I've got money in my account, all is good life's fine, I'm not worried. But you actually took action and went forward to try and establish what you wanted your money situation to look like. So what was the catalyst for that? To be honest, I think it was just kind of that point in lockdown where I was looking for things to do. Um, And I figured, may as well spend some time looking through my expenses and like actually tracking it all into like different categories and seeing how much I spent. And wow, it was a big shock. Um, Yeah. Just on certain things, like like I think food was one of the ones that I realized how much money you actually spend on groceries. And you're like, where is this money going? And especially like, yeah, like being single, you're like, I shouldn't be spending this much on food. Yes, I am. 
And for me also, because like my, in my budget, um, like groceries and like dining out is separate. So I'm looking at the two amounts going, I rarely eat out, yet this seems a little high. And my grocery budget, like, what what is this? Like, yeah, just numbers didn't seem to add up when you actually look at them on paper. Mm. Yeah, that's really interesting. And also such a productive use of extra time in lockdown, by the way. Like, yeah. amazing that you had the motivation to go forward and, and do that. Um, so you ended up having some of those realizations of like things weren't quite matching up. What was the main one that you noticed that you then changed and had a big impact on your money situation? Seeing, again, because I... And still to this day, I don't really budget to a zero dollar budget. Like not all my money gets allocated. Like I'd rather have a bit of spare money. Um, but seeing, I guess, how much spare money there was um, at the time. And I think like just trying to find a use for that because it was just basically going into savings. Um, but at the time, savings rates weren't amazing. So it was trying to figure out what's a better way to use my money, I guess. Mm-hmm. So when you weren't budgeting as such and you had money always in your account and you weren't too worried about managing your finances, were you saving a portion of your money then? Maybe a little. Um, to be honest, like I've always saved a bit of money, but it wasn't, it was never consistent. And it was always like, oh, like there's a little bit of money left over. Let's transfer it into the savings account um, type stuff. It wasn't like for me now, everything's automated. So a certain amount goes into like savings and investments and stuff like automatically after each paycheck. Whereas this could be every couple of months. Oh yeah. Like I could probably spare like a hundred, hundred and fifty dollars Like that'll be fine. Yeah. Cause were you ever taught about money growing up in the sense of was the importance of saving ever instilled into you as a kid? And so you felt like that's what you needed to do as you earned money or was there a more casual approach to it? I don't think, my parents ever sat me down and was like, you have to save. Um, but I think they did try to teach me from a young age that like I shouldn't be spending all of it. And also, I guess, growing up where money was a little tight, like I kind of saw myself just from like my mom's struggles, like having a little bit extra um, in the bank wouldn't hurt for like those situations where something unexpected pops up. Yeah. What had your mom's struggles taught you about that was it that having an emergency fund was important or was it more so about just keeping a strong continuous approach to how you manage your money I think it was probably the latter um I don't think even she has an emergency fund to this day um so it's probably not something she would have taught me about but yeah just the consistent habits I think also I think because my brother and I are very different I'm more of a saver he's more of a spender I think she was trying to teach both of us to like save a bit, but also like it's okay to spend because for me, even to this day, like spending money does cause a bit of guilt, like less so than it used to. Uh, But like, I'm still more, if I have leftover, I'd rather save it or like put it towards investments or something. Um, Whereas my brother's completely opposite to me, like he'll spend and won't really save. So I think she was trying to teach us both concepts because she was talking to two very different people. Um, it was very hard for her. Yeah. Yeah. I can imagine that would be quite difficult. And my relationship with my siblings are very similar. I think the guilt aspect is 
quite an interesting one. Where do you think that that guilt initially came from? I think it's just the way I was brought up. So like my parents split when I was in primary school um, and then my brother and I primarily lived with my mum um, who like we lived in public housing. Um, my mum's got a disability, so she relies on Centrelink. Um, and then just growing up, like money was tight. Like I don't think we ever went without the basics, um, but our luxuries, like little luxuries would be like, say, an ice cream cone at Macca's or something like. It wasn't anything extravagant. Um, so I think seeing that, like I got a job at Macca's pretty much as soon as I could. Um, I think it's what, 14, nine months or something. And from there, it, I guess it was kind of the mindset of if I work hard and like earn money, like maybe life won't be, I wouldn't say tough, but like I have a little bit of extra money to like play with. Um, but then also seeing the situation, it's like, oh, but I should still be like saving some. So I'm never, well, not that I'm never in the situation, but like, it doesn't have to be as bad, like if I have absolutely no money. Mm. It seems like it'd be quite a hard thing to reconcile growing up in public housing and trying to understand your situation versus seeing maybe other people who might have more money than you and trying to, as a kid, understand why that is and how you can not be in a situation of struggle and challenge for your whole life. Like, How did you kind of manage that as you were growing up and seeing how other people lived that might have looked different to the way you were living? I think as a kid, especially when it like first kind of happened, it was more difficult. Um, obviously being a kid, you kind of want like all these toys and like go on holidays and do everything that other kids are doing. Um, but I couldn't. And I do remember getting frustrated at my mum um, a couple of times saying, why can't I just have X, Y, Z? I remember like seeing her face and like obviously she looks like sad, uh, but there was nothing she could really do at the time. Um, I think it's more as you grow up and like, obviously I learned more about my situation, like what was happening. Um, it was less like trying to keep up with my friends and more like just make the best of what you have type situation. You know, I liked going shopping like after school with friends, but I wouldn't necessarily have to buy anything. Like I could just window shop. Um, and yeah, like obviously that probably took time. But it was less that. And then if I did want to do stuff like, I mean, obviously, like times were tough and I couldn't do absolutely everything. But like a movie every once in a while with friends could happen. It just probably couldn't happen every weekend. Um, So I guess just figuring out where the boundaries were and like there'd be like little luxuries and just to look forward to them rather than kind of expecting them to happen. Mm. There's actually a very profound and mature stance for someone who would have been so young coming to that understanding of what her life looked like. And I think that keeping up with the Joneses mentality is something that so many of us struggle with, even when we have the resource, the capability, the money uh, to do different things, because it always feels like we could have more or do more. Mm. But your approach is about making the best of what you had. And that is something you learned and implemented quite early on in your life. Like how can we also do that, I suppose? You know, how can we get ourselves out of this trap of feeling like we need to keep up with anyone and everyone? And more than, 
I suppose, be grateful. But yeah, as you say, truly be able to make the most of the resource and the things that we have in our life now. I think, especially nowadays, it's probably a lot harder because everyone's on social media. But like back when I was a kid, sure, mum didn't have money to take me on like expensive experiences, but like she still took us to like picnics at the park and we could spend the whole day like going to the city, like just window shopping and stuff like that. I think it's all about like the time and like the experiences, not necessarily the money. So, and again, I know it's hard these days of social media, but there's lots of free things to do when you think about it. Like not everything has to cost money. Um, It's just being willing to look outside of like the easy things to do. Um, And yeah, find creative ways to like spend time with your loved ones and do something. Yeah. It sounds like one way we can do that is putting value in something other than the dollar value of what we're doing. Even like small experiences like, I know, like going for walks. I probably had some of the best conversations with my mum, just like having a casual stroll or trying to get to a place. Not everything has to be about money. There are other things in life besides money. So, Yeah, you're so right. How now, having grown up with that mindset, do you manage your money now? Like you said you typically have felt guilty when you've spent, but then you've also, what sounds like grown a lot um, in the sense of what you do with your money and how you manage that and that being a lot more intentional. Like for you, what's sort of your why and purpose and strategy now when you manage money? I think for me now, it's less about living in the moment um, and more trying to set myself up for the future. So small little things like shopping, like I'm not a big clothes shopper now. Um, and when I do have to buy things, I want to buy things that last. Yes, you know, like Kmart is cheap, but it's not always the best quality. So just trying to find things that will last, I guess. Um, so like quality over price. Like in saying that though, I'm not willing to pay like hundreds of dollars for like good quality stuff. But like you can still find things that are decently priced, that are good quality. Um, and then also shopping sales. Like for me, I rarely buy anything that's full price. Um, I'll shop sales where I can and like I'll keep a running list of things I want or I need. Um, and then when they are on sale, like that's when I'll buy them. Cool, thanks. We'll stop for a quick air break and jump back into how you track your spending and your budget now. If you're after personal financial advice, don't get it from a podcast. If you would like help based on your own personal situation, head over to sortyourmoneyout.com. Click get help and we'd be happy to introduce you to one of our trusted advisors. Our panel of advisors, mortgage brokers and accountants work with clients all over Australia so they can connect with you wherever you are. That's sortyourmoneyout.com and click get help. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Wow. Nice. Yeah. 
What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. All right, we're back, everyone. And tell us a little bit about what resources do you use now to manage your money? Do you have like a spreadsheet budget? Do you use some kind of financial planner? Do you write it down on a piece of paper? Do you do it in your head? Like, what's the process? So for me, nowadays, um, I use an app called Spendy um, that I put everything in and that kind of tracks all my spending. Um, And then I do have a spreadsheet budget, which is a mix of Glenn's spending plan and um, the She's on the Money template. Um, I've kind of combined them both and like created my own based on like different categories I want. And I will go through my spendy app, like quarterly and half yearly, depends on how much time I have and like update my budget accordingly. Because from that, I have automated payments from my main account. Um, into like separate accounts for like spending and stuff. So that all gets updated at the same time. So it's a couple of hour long process, but we get there. Yeah. Well, how often are you doing this process? Um, Yeah. I aim for quarterly. Doesn't always happen, but at least twice a year. So especially at the end of the year, because I can actually look at the whole yearly review and see how much I've spent on a particular item for the entire year. And in my head, I figure out if it's worth it or not. And like, where to cut back on things. So do you just sort of have a system that you that runs continuously throughout the year and quarterly is when you kind of review it, but you don't really look at your finances any other time apart from that? Yeah, kind of. Um, yeah, since discovering all the podcasts, I find it's better if I don't see and like touch my money. Like mm-hmm. once I've set it up, it just kind of does its own thing. Um, and yes, I'll update it to make sure it's accurate. Uh, but besides like literally putting in my expenses into the app, um, I don't really do anything with my money except on like a quarterly, half yearly basis. Yeah, nice. I think, you know, automatic payments are such a lifesaver for those of us that, I think for everyone, but, you know, especially for those of us that don't want to think too much about our financial situation on the day to day, like ideally, if you can, setting up a process where you can just leave it to run, where it consistently helps you is going to be the easiest, probably most accessible way in order to achieve your goals because then everything's happening for you while you're still allowing yourself that room to spend. Yeah, and I think for me too, so for example, I have like a shopping category, like I have a certain amount that goes into that account and like I can buy whatever I want with that, supposedly guilt-free, but once the money's gone, I don't transfer from other accounts like top it up it's kind of like you have this amount to spend if you want to go shopping um and that's it like buy whatever you want but don't spend more than that Mm, that's true discipline not transferring from in and out of accounts it oh it helps a lot more now so the way half my accounts are set up like they're in offset accounts so they are and with i'm with saint george and the way they do it as opposed to like my personal spending is with up so it's a lot easier through up because you literally just transfer it back into like the main account. But with St. George, like 
they're all literal separate accounts and I have like separate cards for them and I don't have the app on my phone. So I literally need to like log in to the internet banking and there's like two numbers I need to remember, not just one, like as most have like just like a single customer number or whatnot. There's two for St. George plus like a pin and just trying to find those details. It's too hard. So uh, yeah. I see. Yeah. So you've almost made it difficult enough for yourself to mean that that system stays in place. And as someone who's previously struggled with guilt when spending, do you find that having those allocated, those kind of strict allocated amounts helps you to be able to spend easier on the things that you want? I think so. I think definitely having that shopping account, for example, is because before like I would need to buy something but kind of then feel guilty on spending that money. Um, whereas now I'm kind of like, well, it's there and I've allocated it for that purpose, so I can. But in saying that, I struggle with it a little. So at the moment, I'm actually in between roles for my job. And because I was on a contract role before, which ended in September, and I signed up, like I accepted a contract knowing that, and I have enough to cover the rest of the year if I do absolutely nothing, which I'm not, but in the case I did, I have like that money, but still having to transfer a bit each week um, so that everything else can run smoothly back into the fund I had set up for like the end of the year, back into my main account. So yeah, all the automations could happen. I still feel guilty sometimes. I'm like, oh, I should be working more to cover it. Yeah, it is hard to overcome that mindset Especially when, I mean, I don't know if the reason you've left your role is because, or the reason you're in between roles and maybe extending that for whatever time you need is because you want to have that time or you're just waiting for the next opportunity to come up. But it can be hard when you've given yourself an an intentional amount of time and the security blanket of the money to help you to actually feel okay to use that because it's sort of ingrained into us that we have to work for every dollar we use and which you have but it can feel like we haven't in the times where we're not actually working for it if you know what I mean yeah no I totally get that and like so I guess a bit about like my job situation is I'm in events normally um have had a full-time slash contract role pretty much ever since I got out of uni um but I've always had like a side hustle in babysitting slash nanny um and I made the decision last year when I accepted this role um, because I knew it'd be only for nine months because I have the experience um, in childcare. I just had formal qualifications. Um, So I've been studying my Cert 3 in early education um, online and I do like placements and like finish it off and like see where I can go with the side hustle in the three months before I look for a new job. Um, So... It's all been plans, but in my head, when I still have to transfer money, I'm like, I could just be picking up more shifts um, instead of having to transfer. But yeah, it's it's hard to turn off, but I know like I have the funds. It's just, yeah. I think eventually I'll be able to do it, but for now, it's still a bit of a struggle. Yeah, it's just a weird psychological kind of game we play with ourselves because you haven't, I assume, done this before or this is the first time that you sort of had that chance to, I guess, break while using money you'd earned previously or is this something you've been through before? More the first time that I've been without like a 
steady income um, mm-hmm. since I was like 14, nine months. So it's weird. And like, I'm 27 now. So over 10 years of steady-ish income to not. And I guess now where I am, like I've got bills and stuff that I need to pay. Whereas before when you're living at home, yes, you still have some bills to pay, but like the majority of like your expenses are covered. Mm. Well, that kind of shows how far you've come personally though, in the sense that, you know, you've earned this consistent income from 14 years old, have always needed that security, probably as a result of so much of what you've been through as a um, child and growing up and experiencing um, that frugal way of living. But you now are at a point where you've managed your money well enough to give you that security that you can take some time off when you need it. And to live that way as opposed to feeling like you always need to be earning in order to living as well? Yeah, I think it's taken some time to come to that mindset, but like especially in the recent years and like COVID, although I know it was a really shitty situation for a lot of people, for me, I think it gave me a lot of clarity into what I want with my life and because I guess I've always been like that hustle mindset. It showed me during that time that I need to put the brakes on the hustle mindset and like focus on other things. Um, And having a life outside of work is not the worst thing in the world and is actually really beneficial. Absolutely. I think like I took a, well, I don't know if you could call it a career break. I'd literally been out of uni for nine months, but I ended up quitting my job. I took three months off to kind of work part-time and work out what I wanted to do in life. Um, And just have that break to establish, okay, what do I actually want? But I find those are the times where you make so much more progress personally because you have that emotional capacity to think outside of just survival mode. Yeah. Yeah, I totally get that. Like, especially now, like, although I don't know exactly where I want to take my side hustle, like, I know at the moment, based off the two-ish months I've been doing of it just solely, like, I'm still not ready to take that leap into... Mm doing it permanently. Um, and yeah, I'm just getting more clarity with, I guess, where I want my life to go um, and what I want to do with it. Like having a nine to five full-time job isn't the be or end all. Mm. Having this flexibility has really worked in my favor and like the stuff I can do that was really hard before, like in terms of say doing exercise before or after work, so that I have to be in an office. Like I kind of set my own hours. It's it's really freeing. Mm, I can fully resonate with that. Like having the autonomy and control over the way you live is really freeing. And I think to your point earlier, it helps you establish that understanding of putting value in things other than the dollar value. And it means that your spending probably becomes a little bit more specific and intentional as well, because you develop a clear understanding of what you actually value and what you, what you actually want out of your life. What are your kind of big financial goals now? Do you have, I mean, are they clear or are you still working them out? You said before you are thinking more about the future rather than living in the present moment. What are your thoughts looking ahead now? Um, To me, I guess my main financial goal at the moment is, I guess, putting enough money towards my future so that I wouldn't call it retire early, but like by age, I don't know. 50-ish, I want to be able to choose whether or not I want to work um, and kind of work because I want to, not because I have to. Um, Yeah, I guess that's kind of my main one, just setting up that security for my future 
that I kind of have the freedom to do what I want when I want. If it's before 50, great. If it's uh, 50, so be it. Um, but yeah, knowing me, I'll probably still be working when I hit retirement age just because I'd get bored otherwise. Um, but I don't want to solely be doing it for money. I want to just do what I want for my enjoyment. Mm. You value that freedom to make a choice. Do you think that comes as a result of through childhood viewing the people around you not being able to make that choice about how they wanted to live? Yeah, I think so. And I think partly it's because my mum was under financial abuse from my father. Um, So seeing her that way when they were together, it makes me realise I never want to be in that situation. Like I want to set myself up so I don't have to rely on anyone else, um, whether that's a partner, the government, whoever, to have those funds. It's I've earned it and I will spend it the way I want to and not answer to anyone else. Mm, absolutely. Wow, that must have been quite a significant situation to see in the way that it would have impacted your view of money ongoing. Yeah, I don't think I realized what it was at first. And to be honest, it wasn't until I started listening to my millennial money and like she's on the money that I actually fully understood what like financial abuse was. Um, Because to me, like what he was doing was normal. Like that's just the way I grew up. Um, And then growing up, being older and like learning about all this, I'm like, actually, no, that isn't normal in people's relationships. And I guess because money is so taboo, like you don't really see, I guess, what they do with their money. Mm. So what you see as a child, you think is normal. Yeah, so true. I mean, you don't have a reference point for what is and isn't normal when the subject itself is seen as this very taboo thing, as you say, that we don't talk about. And I'm glad that through the podcasts, you were able to gain that understanding of what that looked like and also the fact that you didn't want that. How did you learn then what you would do in order to gain that freedom? I guess for me, it's more like always having that emergency fund um, and having enough in that fund that I can leave any situation I want to. Like it doesn't necessarily have to be abuse, but even if it's like a bad job or like somewhere I don't want to be, like I've got the freedom to pick up and just move on um, without, I guess, needing that financial stability of like fixed income. Um, coming in like I have that and like there's enough in there that I have time to like reset figure out what I actually want to do with my next steps and not like jump into something that could potentially be the same situation or worse yeah exactly that feeling of security like needing security holds so many of us back and I think COVID especially influenced that that a lot because I've had so many conversations since then with people um, relating to jobs in particular and the security element was always a part of wanting to find a job and, and be in a job. But even more so now, it seems like people are so focused on having that security element over that freedom element because we've all seen how easily it can be ripped from people. And feeling trapped within your life, within your finances is such a horrible way to to feel. And I think if there's any little things we can do in order to remove that trapping feeling and add more choice into our lives and then we definitely should do it. So an emergency fund is something that is so useful that you've you've touched on. Is your investing strategy a part of this at all? No, I think for me, I play it safe. So I invest into a couple of ETFs that 
I mean, probably don't give me the best dividends, but like they're a safe long-term um, thing to hold. So for example, like VDHD is one of the ones I invest into. I know that will stand the strength of time because um, it's so diversified as opposed to the tech 100. can't remember what it's called. Um, just because for me, tech is like a, I'm really interested in it. Um, so I have it, but I know with tech, there's going to be ups, there's going to be downs. So like the majority of my investments are in more of those like long-term growth funds than I guess the more niche stocks. Um, that's just basically to set me up for the future. Just something that is like low maintenance and I don't need to think too much about it. I think it's the main thing. Yeah, absolutely. I'm very similar. And it sounds like for you, it's about building those foundations and buying and holding for the long term so that when you do get to a point where you're like, okay, do I take this money out? How do I want to use it? What do I want to use it for? You know, at least that you've put yourself into a position where you've accumulated a diversified range of assets that can kind of be used in whichever way you want and have been growing consistently over time uh, rather than having to look at it and change things earlier on and be stressed out and be totally consumed in your financial situation. I think it's such a great way to go about it is just lay the foundations and then watch that grow over time when you get to a point when you sort of know maybe exactly what your goals are a little bit more and what you want to do with that money. If someone was coming to you now or is even listening to this podcast and they have grown up maybe in public housing or in some kind of restrictive situation financially, maybe they have even suffered financial abuse within their relationship or their life over time and they are lost and wanting to lay those foundations. If you could lay out a few of those foundations that you have built that have helped you get on the path to establishing that freedom and choice in your life financially, what would they be? Biggest point would be start small and don't do everything at once. For me, the main reason that I did start listening to the podcast was I wanted to learn how to invest. And that was kind of one of my primary reasons for listening to the podcast and learning about that. And with that, like I started small, like I first started with a spaceship account um, just because I wanted to see my investment risk because I knew it was a managed fund and, you know, I'd have highs and lows and I wanted to see if I'd freak out when it, they hit those lows. Um, and then when I realized that I didn't, like this could be a solid investment choice for me because I'm okay to play the long game. Um, and that's when, you know, I started researching more about what I actually wanted to invest in and then kind of picked one ETF at a time. And I guess also the same with changing my money habits. It was baby steps. Like I used to have a credit card um, more because both my parents had one. Mum was more for cash flow than anything. My parents always paid it off on time. So I personally didn't see a reason why. I shouldn't get one if I could pay it off on time. Um, and then it was learning to get rid of that credit card and sorting my bank accounts up the way where I didn't need one. I could cash flow everything when I needed to and not rely on that credit card for those things. And again, obviously with different situations, sometimes you may need one and I don't, I personally don't have a problem with them. Um, I think the end goal with that is to figure out a way so you don't rely on that credit card as heavily. Also, one of the big things, I guess, is believe in yourself. Like 
things aren't going to turn around overnight if you're in a sticky situation. Um, but believe in yourself, back yourself and have the confidence to do what you have to do to get out of that situation. I love that you ended on that because I think it's something that can so easily be brushed over or forgotten is like all the practical things are amazing, of course, but you need to have that belief in yourself and surround yourself with people, whether that's actually personal relationships you have or online mentors or Instagram accounts you follow or podcasts you listen to with people who want to see you win and are your cheerleaders. And you can hopefully then be that cheerleader for yourself as well. And I think for me, it took a long time. Um, But once they're in your court, you can pretty much do anything. Like, And don't get me wrong, you don't need people. Like, You can do it yourself. Have the belief that everyone has the confidence and like the strength to go through anything. But having people as your cheerleaders really does help. Mm, Absolutely. I want to just review some of those things you said and remind everyone because the foundations you were talking about are so so, so, so important. And practically, they are things that people can start implementing today. The first one is starting small. So whether or not you can save a whole lot of money straight away, or you need to just start by building that belief in yourself, you can start with small steps. And I think that's so key. The next foundation you spoke about was building an emergency fund and having that backup there, which gives you an element of freedom and choice because you have the ability to make decisions that might be a little bit riskier because you have something there ready to go um, if you were to need it. Leave a bad job, leave a bad relationship, etc. Remove debt, get out of debt as soon as you can and as soon as appropriate for you and your situation because we all have different situations, of course. But if you can stop using that consumer debt or remove yourself from other large interest-bearing debts, I think that that will help so many people be able to do the next point you mentioned, which was organise your cash flow. And I think this is something Glenn speaks about all the time, even within his book, which I'm sure we'll leave below in the show notes. He lays some really helpful financial foundations. But organizing your cash flow is going to be the way that you can actually have clarity over where your money is and where it's going. And of course, to believe in yourself. And I think that you are a shining example of this and have done so well to develop the habits and the mindset that you have. I've been inspired by your story and I really appreciate you being here and sharing vulnerably and authentically your journey. We acknowledge the Awabakal people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits, and pay respects to their elders past, present, and emerging. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast. My Millennial Money supports a variety of charities, and we encourage you to consider giving as part of your overall financial strategy. If you would like some giving options, or if you're unsure about which charity you can support, head to mymillennial.money forward slash charities for more info. This podcast is for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general financial advice only, which does not take into account your objectives, financial situation, or needs. Because of that, you should consider if the advice is appropriate to you and your needs before acting on the information. If you do choose to buy a financial product, read the product disclosure statement, target market determination, and obtain appropriate financial advice tailored to your needs. Simo Interactive Proprietary Limited, the publisher of the podcast, and Glenn James are authorized representatives of Money Sherpa Proprietary Limited, which holds financial services license 451289. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.